Hello, working people of Southwest Washington. You're listening to Episode 9 of Working to Live in Southwest Washington, produced by the Southwest Washington Central Labor Council. We're also a proud member of the Labor Radio Podcast Network. Find out more about the network at laborradionetwork.org. I'm Shannon Myers. And I'm Harold Phillips. And before we get started, we wanted to remind you that the views and opinions expressed on this show are not necessarily the views and opinions of the Southwest Washington Central Labor Council, its affiliates unions, our guests unions, our employers, or even their jack-o'-lanterns out on the porch. <laughs> Is that why they're grinning? That makes sense. They've got opinions. <laughs> Happy Halloween! Hey, Shannon! We're almost there. After a campaign season that feels like it's lasted for years, because it kind of has, Election Day is almost here. Oh my gosh, Tuesday cannot get here soon enough. And Don't one of it. the things that I've noticed um, we're getting tons and tons of mail from all of these candidates. And I'll tell you what. I actually had a problem with one of those mail pieces. And the mail piece was very disrespectful to me and to a lot of people in our communities because we were called union bosses. Then they accused us of being from Portland and Seattle. I live here in Vancouver and I am a union member who volunteers my time. So all of these mailers, all of this disinformation, which is information that is given out intentionally, to mislead people. Oh my God. How do people decipher all this? No, it's so true. I know you got your ballot in first thing and I got my ballot in first thing, but mm -hmm. there are a lot of people out there whose ballots are still sitting on their kitchen counter and they're just waiting to be filled out. They may not be sure who to vote for yet, or they may not be sure how to vote. Thankfully, we've got some people with us who can fill you in on filling that ballot out. First off, we have to thank Sharika Carter for joining us. She is very busy at this time of year working as the Washington State Labor Council's Political and Strategic Campaigns Director. Thanks for making the time to join us, Sharika. Thank you so much for inviting me. I use a she, her pronouns, proud OPIU8 member and PAC chair. And I'm joining you all from Coast Salish land in Tacoma, the land of the Puyallup tribe. So uh, I would like to thank their elders, both past and present, for their stewardship of the land and its people and for allowing me to uh, live, work, and play here on the land. Thank you for that acknowledgement, Sharika. We also have Travis Elmore Nelson, a nurse representative with the Washington State Nurses Association. Thanks for being here, Travis. Thank you for having me. My pronouns are he, him, his. I'm also a past vice chair of the American Nurses Association PAC board, and I've also served on the Oregon Nurses Association PAC board as I live in Portland, but work in Washington. And you'll remember our third guest from episode two of Working to Live in Southwest Washington. And if you're thinking to start a new career or are helping someone figure out their next move and you haven't listened to that episode, you really should. Let's welcome Mark Riker, Executive Secretary of the Washington State Building and Construction Trades Council, back to the show. Thanks, Harold and Shannon. I, I'm glad to be back with you. I'm also a vice president of the State Labor Council, representing approximately 
600,000 hardworking men and women. The reason I'm wearing a mask at the house is I'm at my son's house and they just brought their newborn baby home about an hour and a half ago. So I haven't got my COVID tests back yet. So I'm doing this to protect my grandbaby. I know a lot of people listening to this have probably seen on the news that it's too late to mail your ballot. Is that the case here in the state of Washington, Sharika? It is absolutely not too late to mail your ballot in, folks in Washington State. So if you have your ballot, it's on the kitchen table. Go ahead and drop that in your mail today. You do not need a stamp. You just need to get it postmarked by Tuesday, Election Day, November 3rd. You can also drop it in the secure ballot box. So go ahead and do that. Travis, I know some of our listeners are in Oregon. Can you still mail your ballots in Oregon? No. Actually, in Oregon, they're telling everybody to drop your ballot off in one of the drop boxes. Ballots in Oregon must arrive by Election Day in order to be counted. Unfortunately, we don't have the inclusive laws related to voting and ballots being counted that Washington does, but I hope we get there soon. One thing that isn't different between the two states is there are a lot of candidates who are running endorsed by labor organizations because they're working for working people in those two states. I know the Southwest Washington Central Labor Council has endorsed a number of candidates here in Southwest Washington, but that extends out throughout the entire state, right, Mark? Yeah, that's correct. And we have a very democratic process in how that comes to pass. It starts from the strength of the rank and file member. That is where all unions gather their strength from. Travis, you're with the Washington State Nurses Association. You also make endorsements, right? We make endorsements in statewide races and in legislative races. And we try to endorse Democrats and Republicans. We endorse candidates that support nurses and nursing. And that's what we look for when we're doing endorsements. That's a really important point, Travis, because there is a perception out there, I think, that labor tends to support Democrats. But in actuality, labor has supported Republicans as well as Democrats. Yeah, we actually have endorsed Republicans, Democrats, because we represent Republicans and Democrats in the labor movement. We represent everybody. As long as they fall in line with our values, which I bet you Shabrika can probably talk about. Yeah, absolutely. At the State Labor Council, we come together with all of our affiliated unions and councils to make endorsements. And we do that through our COPE, which is the Committee on Political Education, right? We are looking for candidates who will stand up for working people and families. We are endorsing and we have endorsed folks who are going to do the work to make sure that all working people in Washington state are okay, regardless of color and background. And so those are some of the values that we think about when we endorse candidates. In the building trades, we stay in a fairly narrow lane, wages, benefits, working conditions. It's pretty simple in that regard for us. Obviously, we think everybody should have uh, sustainable living wages and benefits. We're talking about your health care, your pensions, your training funds, those types of things. And working conditions is super simple. Can you work safely? Are we going to go home healthy? Is our job going to be a factor that kills us? So we judge candidates on those three things and those three things only. When we are interviewing candidates, we ask them questions about meal and rest breaks, which is a big deal for nurses. Uh, workplace violence. That's been something that WSNA has been a strong advocate for in Olympia, combating the violence that occurs against nurses. COVID-19, we're seeing nurses across the state get sick, lose time from work. 
because they're getting infected with COVID-19 by and large on the job. So those are the type of things that we ask candidates about. And just going back to the Democrat-Republican piece, uh, Mike Voles in Spokane has been really good on WSNA issues. We've given him awards. He's a Republican. Gina Mossbrucker, she's received an award from WSNA as well. She's a Republican. So we support Republicans and Democrats as long as you are good on the issues that nurses care about and are good for nurses. It's not along party lines. We are endorsing the folks who are going to support working people. It is a very democratic process. Not only do we have all of the COPE delegates who are at the table, but we also have the central labor councils forward those recommendations to the COPE body through the interviews that all of the central labor councils do of the candidates and sit down with them face to face, asking the questions of the candidates and making sure they're going to stand up for working people and working families. Let's talk about the union boss situation, because union bosses from Seattle and Portland really pisses me off. And Sharika explained it very well, that the Washington State Labor Council has a very democratic process. All the recommendations are coming from the local council that is in Vancouver. We take those recommendations up to the state and then we vote on it as a whole state. It's a very democratic process. Tell us why people get this perception that the union endorsement is not local. Yeah, Shannon, I think a lot of people have that perception because our process isn't always as transparent as it probably could be. With WSNA, our process is a member-driven process. We have a PAC board with representatives from across the state of Washington, and we do our best to recruit and encourage nurses to join the PAC board from different parts of the state. They do a lot of the interviewing of the candidates, and then they take a vote, and it's their vote that determines whether or not WSNA supports the candidates. It is the members who make that decision. PAC. What does that mean? PAC is Political Action Committee. So it's essentially the group of nurses that come together that make decisions on candidates on behalf of WSNA as an organization. Another thing about WSNA that I believe is important to mention is the fact that none of our member dues dollars go towards contributing to non-member candidates. We actually have a separate uh, bucket of funds that is dispersed to candidates that are endorsed by WSNA. At the state building trades, I have nine regional councils within Washington state. Only one of them is Seattle. And all nine have the ability to bring forth candidates, and all nine do bring candidates for consideration and endorsement at the state building trades. And just like Travis mentioned, it is member driven. It comes right from the rank and file members all the way up. And we don't endorse anybody until the correct folks that are elected by their rank and file vote to approve that endorsement. This whole notion of union bosses who stand behind the scenes, who are making all these decisions on candidates that are being endorsed, that's just flat out wrong. That's not what happens at all. Unions, we are looking to build relationships with these candidates. After they get elected, we want them to focus on auditions. Whether you are in the building trades or you are in nursing, we want our members to be safe on the job. We want them to have living wages. We want their working conditions to be fair. And we're hoping to build relationships that lead to better conditions for workers across the board. I am a proud union boss. I'm also a little league coach, a basketball coach, a football coach. You see me in the grocery store. I live in an 1,800 square foot house. I don't have a mansion. 
we represent our members with integrity and try to get them the things that all three of us have mentioned, wages, benefits, working conditions, primarily safe working conditions. That one goes across all industries. I think this idea of a union boss is tied to the notion that labor organizations can tell their members who to vote for, right? We are the union. The people make up the union. We are not a third party organization. It is the folks we are on the line with. It is the folks we are in the store working with or in the call center or wherever we may be working for. All of us together make up the union and we are making these decisions together of who we want to support because we've done the work, we've researched the candidates and through building the relationships, we know who's going to stand up for us. We don't force our members to vote for anybody, but we do let them know that we have questioned and we have thoroughly vetted this candidate. And this is a candidate that you can trust to represent the interests of nurses in our case. And I know there are people, especially those as part of the 1% and corporate America who would like to demonize unions because they would really like people to vote the way they want them to vote so that they can maintain power and control. But that's not what unions are in the business of doing. In each and every of the international constitutions that govern uh, all of the activities of unions, we have the responsibility to do everything we can to create a better life through better wages, benefits, and working conditions for our members. Politics has a big effect on all of those issues. So we have a responsibility to vet out candidates and tell our members and advise them who is going to support them on very important legislative issues. So we've had a lot of references to what's going to happen after these candidates get elected. Before they get there, though, the votes have to be counted. And I know that that is something that a lot of people are feeling a little anxiety about, right? We may not know who's going to be elected on Election Day. That is correct. Washington State will be counting ballots through November 24th, 21 days after the general election. As votes continue to roll in every day, you know, things can change and shift. But um, we are looking forward to Election Day and winning big. We are excited about all of the endorsed candidates in Washington State. And especially I know we are super excited about things happening in the third and the opportunity to send Carolyn Long to Congress, right? And the opportunity to elect Tanisha Harris as a House representative and Daniel Smith to the Senate. We want to send Senator Taco back to Olympia. And we also want to make sure that Representative Blake is sent also back to Olympia. I think we need to get away from thinking of election day as election day. Uh, I think of it as more of election season. I think it is wonderful that we have vote by mail and that your ballot counts as long as you get a postmark on it by election day. I think it's great that you can vote early because the more people that participate in the process the better. And I think it's wonderful that along the West Coast, at least, we have systems of voting that maximize the inclusion of citizens. That's right, Travis. Democracy works when we all vote. This year, in 2020, in Georgia, folks stood for 11 hours in line to early vote. Honor them by getting off our asses and either dropping it in a drop box or putting it in the mail. We have it easy out here on the West Coast. I've rarely been as proud as I've been of those Americans who withstood those lines for 11 hours to make sure that their right to vote was not stolen from them. I live by the policy, you can't take what I don't give you. And those Americans stood up and stood on that 
let's honor their efforts and get that vote in. It's not that hard, folks. Amen, brother. Mark, I know the Building Trades Council has made some endorsements. Where can the listeners find that information? Probably the easiest place to find it is our Facebook page, which if you go on Facebook and just enter into the search bar, the Washington State Building and Construction Trades Council will pop right up. Travis, WSNA has some endorsements as well. Where can people find those? I believe our endorsements are on our website, WSNA.org. And if they aren't, they will be soon. We have a publication that we send out to all of our members. It's called The Washington Nurse. And we put our endorsements in there. So our members do get our endorsements. So if people are wondering who the nurses support, the best way to find out is probably to ask a nurse, right? That would be accurate. Ask a nurse that works at one of our WSNA-represented facilities. And Sharika, that is a perfect segue to you. Where can people find the candidates the Washington State Labor Council has endorsed? If folks are looking for information about the 2020 WSLC endorsements, you can find that on the WSLC website at www.wslc.org backslash vote. All the information you need is there on our website. You can find our endorsed candidates there. You can find information about where to find your Dropbox location. So y'all can get those ballots in by 8 p.m. on Tuesday, November 3rd. On election night, the Washington State Labor Council, we are throwing a virtual party to celebrate all of the hard work of our volunteers. I would really love to be joined by all my union siblings. So if you want an invitation to the party, Find us at The Stand. Follow us on our social media, uh, on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Follow the hashtag WSLC Votes. I just wanted to encourage each and every one of you out there to vote. It's so important that union members turn out to vote and that you support the candidates that support labor. Do your part. Vote. It's democracy. Amen to that. Thank you, Mark Riker, Executive Secretary of the Washington State Building and Construction Trades Council. Travis Elmore Nelson, a nurse representative with the Washington State Nurses Association. And Sharika Carter, Washington State Labor Council's Political and Strategic Campaigns Director. Now stick with us, working people. We are going to talk to one of the candidates that Sharika mentioned, Carolyn Long, who's running for Congress in the 3rd District. We'll be right back. Hey, gang, it's Jeremy Waugh, host of the Break Time Breakdown. You can find us at www.smart110.org or wherever you get your podcasts. We're also a member of the Labor Radio Podcast Network. Head over to www.laborradionetwork.org where you'll find labor-friendly shows and podcasts from all over the country. If you're a friend of the working class, and you should be, head over to laborradionetwork.org today. Thanks for sticking with us, working people. Someone else who is very interested in making sure that every vote is counted is Carolyn Long. She's a political science professor at Washington State University, Vancouver, and she's also running for Congress to represent the 3rd Congressional District. Thanks for joining us, Carolyn. Thank you so much for having me. People who don't live in this area don't know that this is your second time running against the sitting Congresswoman. Why did you decide to run again? Yeah, you know, it's a great question. First, I did get close. And when you have an incumbent who's 
been winning by 20 to 23 points and you come within five, it shows you that it's right within your grasp. And we learned sometimes it takes two times to introduce you to voters. I held 46 in-person town halls, so I was all over the district listening and learning from people. I just knew that with a little bit more time, our story can get out there to more people. And we also knew that there were some changes we could make to get us across that finish line. Continuing the town halls, right now they were virtual and live. And then we are doing drive-in town halls just because that personal contact and that additional time helps get our story out. Having contact with the voters is a major issue in your campaign because your opponent is kind of famous for not having that kind of contact, right? That's precisely right. You know, she hasn't had a in-person town hall in four years. Instead, she has these conference calls that she calls town halls where she takes maybe seven or eight questions are all carefully screened. And she says that amounts to sufficient contact with constituents. And the other thing that she does is she doesn't put these telephone conversations on the web for people to access. So the only time that you can do it is when you're calling in. So this allows her to hide and then carefully control her story and her message. When you're out there, as much as I am answering any questions that people have, you really are uh, very much accountable to the people, and she doesn't want that accountability. I'm just going to stand back and let the redhead unleash here. You, You go ahead, Shannon. Thank you, Harold, because I want to set the record straight. I have been getting some really nasty nasty mailers. And I want to know the truth, Carolyn, because you and I have known each other for a long, long time. I know who you are. And these mailers make you out to be an evil person. So number one, are you going to raise taxes, Carolyn? Please address raising taxes. Happy to do so. And you know, let me begin by saying I pride myself on being so transparent in running my campaign. It's why I've held 60 in-person town halls. And so it's quite clear what my positions are. But, you know, this is a a political head fake by my opponent. She wants to draw people's attention away from the fact that she agrees with a tax bill that gives big corporations and the wealthiest Americans uh, 83% of the tax benefits and leaves working families and small businesses behind and contributes $2 trillion to the debt. And I have consistently said that we need tax reform and we want to keep taxes low on working families and small businesses. And I've never said that I'm going to increase taxes. And in fact, Coin News did a story on this lie from the Herrera Butler campaign and said that within the same sentence where I was addressing this issue, I specifically said that, that I'm not going to increase taxes on working families and small businesses. All right. I have no idea where this is coming from. Closure of hospitals during a pandemic. Now, Carolyn, I know you. You would never do anything like this. So what are they talking about? Again, it's another lie from the campaign of her brother, my opponent, and was debunked this time by the stranger who wrote an article about this deceitful advertising. Um, What my opponent is referring to is a conservative study written by the healthcare industry saying that a public option could potentially close rural hospitals. But that has been debunked because, in fact, my healthcare plan helps keep hospitals open. 
I'm a strong supporter of the Affordable Care Act, and I want to expand it to include a public option. But under the ACA, those states that have expanded healthcare coverage with the Medicaid expansion actually keep hospitals open at twice the rate as those that don't have the expansion. And when you have the public option, which I advocate for, which allows you to access government-provided insurance directly, um, when you make sure that the compensation for hospitals is adequate, you actually help support rural hospitals. You know, it is a pandemic, and we need to have better healthcare coverage. And the reason why my opponent is attacking me is she's got a terrible record on this issue, bragging about getting rid of the Affordable Care Act. So deflection and attack rather than defense of her own record. So I wanted to... This one really pissed me off. Okay, go ahead. Your husband has a career. Now you're bought off by Big Pharma. Explain this, Carolyn, please explain it to me. Yeah, what a, you know, first of all, it's such a personal attack and it's it's yet again another political head fake from my opponent trying to draw attention away from the fact that she spent a decade in the office not lowering the cost of prescription drugs, that she's in the pocket of the drug insurance company and the health insurance company through her major contributions from these corporations, also giving them tens of billions, that's billions of the B in tax breaks, because my husband used to work for a pharmaceutical company years ago and has a retirement and had uh, a couple of dozen stocks worth $1,200. Uh, suddenly, I'm in the pocket of big pharma. And not only is that factually inaccurate in terms of uh, where his money is, it's really quite offensive to me as a woman who has had a career for my entire professional life and has worked since age 12 to assume that somehow I'm tied to my husband's occupation and his retirement, which is down the road. I mean, it really is a giant leap that she is asking a person to make. And, you know, I have a daughter who's 15 years old, and I have told her from a very early age, she's her own person. She has her own mind. She's going to have her own career. And for all the little girls out there, all the young women, I think it's important that we stand up for each other and that the paths that we have independently. And then to know that even if you're in a relationship or a marriage, that you are not beholden to what your partner does. It's a really ridiculous claim. And I think it's quite shameful that she is laying her campaign on this lie to mislead voters. Because you've had, I think you said, 60 town halls now since you started, you've probably gotten to know the character of the people pretty well. What would you say the big issues are? that affect the third district. Thanks for connecting the town halls to getting to know the people in the district, because when you're out there talking to people, as every representative should, you're hearing what's on their mind and you're learning the importance of listening and learning as opposed to just talking. And politicians often forget that. What I'm hearing is uh, concern about a lack of leadership from the incumbent, concern about Congress not doing its job. It's been eight months since they've passed a relief package concern about healthcare and the cost of prescription drugs. Many people have lost their employer-provided insurance, and so they're very concerned about their own public health. They're concerned about an inadequate plan for economic recovery, and they're really concerned about the direction of our country. And it's because of that that I released my pandemic recovery plan. I think I'm the only congressional candidate who's come up with their own plan that focuses on healthcare access, focuses on lowering barriers for worker success, focuses on supporting small businesses um, through additional grant programs, and then, of course, transformational investments in infrastructure. And my plan, and that combined with my anti-corruption plan, really addresses what I'm hearing from the people of Southwest Washington. You know, Carolyn, I'm really glad you talked about supporting working people. You yourself were a union member at one point, right? 
So you have a connection to working people who come together for collective bargaining. I wanted to go to college and I got a job at Safeway and I started as a courtesy clerk and was a proud member of UFCW Local 555 within a matter of weeks. And by the age of 20, I was a journeyman. I was making seventeen thirty-four an hour. I still remember. This was uh, 30 years ago. I had benefits, medical benefits for the first time in my life. I was working towards a retirement. And I also had the protection of a union that I knew was looking out for me the whole time. And so I've carried that experience with me. And I'm proud to say that we were able to, as our first act of the 2020 campaign, have that unanimous vote from the State Labor Council at their conference. And it's something I care deeply about and something that shows my commitment to working families and also my desire to bring state protections that we have to the federal level. So you've got three days before the ballots start getting counted. What's your focus over these three days? You know, this is the most fun part of a campaign. It's more fun when, of course, we can be outside uh, knocking on people's doors, asking to earn their vote. But what we do these last three days is try to find those people who haven't returned their ballots, try to encourage them to vote and try to encourage them to vote for Carolyn Long. We also do the fun things uh, that reflect the energy in the district, which is oh, we wave signs, you know, we get people to talk to their neighbors. And I think that that's really important because democracy is a process. It's not just casting a ballot. It's about being with other members of the community and encouraging people to participate. So it's actually a lot of fun these last three days. And we are predicting record turnout, 82, 85 percent. And we can't get there if we weren't on the phones, if we weren't asking people to talk to their neighbors, to make sure their family members have returned those ballots. And so uh, you just feel like you're taking back the democracy one vote at a time. And so I'm just really loving these last final days in the home stretch and knowing that it's going to be well worth it when we see the returns on Tuesday. So, Carolyn, I know I've phone called for you. I've told all my friends about you. I've donated some money. So can you please tell people how to do that? Absolutely. So you can continue to contact us at electalong.com. You can still volunteer in the final days. And frankly, you can also still contribute in the final days. I will have had uh, close to $2 million in negative ads from Republican leadership uh, by the time the, this program airs. So every contribution counts. I don't take corporate PAC money. And so I need that support. But electlong.com is where you can go to help support the campaign. Before we close, is there anything else you'd like the voters in the 3rd District to know about you? I think that the thing that defines the Carolyn Long campaign is hard work which is reflective of my life working from the age of 12, my dad's fruit stand, that we've been running hard for 16 months. We don't take any vote for granted. We're constantly trying to find ways to connect with voters through all the events I'm talking about, through policy roundtables. For me, sitting down and putting a pen to a piece of paper and charting out a plan to recover from this pandemic and how to fix the corrosive role of money in politics. And we are running through the tape. So we are running very, very hard because we know that we have to earn people's support. And frankly, I'm running against somebody who's taken it for granted for almost a decade. She shows that by not showing up, by not holding town halls, and by not listening to voters. And who do you want in Congress? I think you want somebody who works those 12, 14-hour days for the people of the district, because that's how we're campaigning. Well, I know you're busy. I know you got to get back out there. But how does someone who works at a fruit stand end up being a political science teacher? That's a whole other show, isn't it? <laughs> 
It is, but it's a good story. And uh, the path is paved through UFCW Local 555. So yeah, I hope we have an opportunity to talk about that sometime. I'm going to hold you to that because uh, teleconferencing works all the way at Washington, D.C. too. Give us that website one more time, Carolyn. It's electlong.com. Thank you, Carolyn Long, running for Congress to represent Washington's 3rd Congressional District. And thank you, working people, for joining us on another episode of Working to Live in Southwest Washington, produced by the Southwest Washington Central Labor Council. And remember, this podcast was recorded under a SAG-AFTRA collective bargaining agreement for our brother, Harold. Ah, well, you know, it's for all the working people who are behind the mic because labor supports working people. I think we just heard that, didn't we? Yes, we did. Remember, working people, this is your show. We want to know what you want to hear on it. Email us at podcast at swwaclc.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at swwaclc. And please give me a treat. It is Halloween, so don't forget to subscribe and then pass that link on to your friends and family. That was... That was so witchy. I'm bewitched. And hey, while you're at it, click on the magic cauldron or pop the lid on the cold drink or whatever your podcast listening platform of choice gives you. Give us give us five stars. One last thing, folks. You heard in the first segment, people are a little concerned about this whole vote counting thing. Be patient. We know it's going to take a while. Here in Southwest Washington, We're used to not knowing who won by election night, and we've managed for decades to just wait and watch the returns. They'll get certified. We'll find out soon enough. And get your ballots turned in. It's so easy for us. Postage is even paid for. You can drop it off at a ballot box all the way up to 8 p.m. on November 3rd. So do what Mark Riker says. Honor those who are standing in line for hours and get our votes in. We can be an example to the whole country, folks. Don't leave that ballot on the counter. Fill it out, take it to the drop box, and make your voice heard. We'll see you next week. Bye!